everyone. Thank you all for tuning in to our ALSI podcast series. Today, we have the great honor and privilege of having Miss Jackie Nixon and Miss Gloria Lenertz with us. Jackie and Gloria, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Thank you for having us on. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. It's such an honor. Um, we're, our team is doing great. And Gloria, how about you? Good to see you. And I'm doing great. And thank you for having us here. We, we really appreciate this. Well, well, thank you guys for taking time out of your days to be here with us. Um, your, your willingness to be here, it really means a lot to our team and to everyone listening. So we're really excited to hear about your stories and to um, learn more about Radon. So to, to introduce myself and my team, my name is uh, Pranka Senthal, and with me I have Drake Long and Anish Gokilam. And we are part of the American Lung Cancer Screening Initiative, or ALSI for short. And we have a couple of slides to share about who we are. Um, but before we go into our slides, I, I just wanted to introduce um, Jackie and Gloria before we, we move into our um, our slides. And so I'll hand it over to Anish um, to introduce uh, Gloria. Gloria has devoted her life to radon educa education and awareness after lung cancer took her husband's life on February 8th, 2006. Their house measured over four times the EPA radon action level. Sharing her story with others in the hope of preventing future radon-induced lung cancer deaths has expanded her acquaintances to include many legislators, industry professionals, government officials, and medical personnel throughout the nation. Thanks to her state representative, Dan Wrights, and the support of AARST, the president of the Illinois Home Inspectors Association and others, the Radon Awareness Act was passed in Illinois on August 16, 2007, which has resulted in many more homes being tested and mitigating. Helping to activate the radon community with activities of awareness and education is an ongoing effort. Participating in TV and radio shows, writing newspaper articles, giving presentations to all types of groups, displaying materials and stories at home shows and conferences, and organizing events has been her life for the last 17 years. Attending numerous national conference of state legislators, helping to educate our state senators and representatives about the danger of radon exposure, participating in numerous state and US hearings on the need for radon policies, the list goes on. In late 2013, she established a 501c3 nonprofit organization called Citizens for Radioactive Radon Reduction, or CR3 for short, to facilitate the spread of the facts about the danger of radon exposure. She's excited about the growing participation in CR3 and their electronic radon news magazine, CR3 Radon News, published by lung cancer survivor and Pennsylvania representative of their organization, Jackie Nixon. Gloria, we're so excited to have you on this podcast, and now I'll hand it over to Drake to introduce Mrs. Jake, Jackie Nixon. Jackie Nixon is the Director of Marketing and Communications for CR3 and publisher of CR3 News Magazine and a Stage 1 lung cancer survivor. She holds an AS and a BA in Computer Technology and a BS in Computer Science with a minor in Mathematics from Edinburgh University and an AS degree in Art from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. She's the CEO of ROI Market Media LLC, established in 2010. As a stage one lung cancer survivor, she never smoked and was diagnosed by accident in 2015 with no symptoms. This led her to eventually find high levels of radon in her building and to understand that radon is the number one cause of lung cancer among never smokers. The revelation was the pivot point to her joining CR3 and creating and marketing the international publication CR3 News Magazine to get the word out. Her publication is read in the US, Canada, Europe, Africa, and Asia. 
She likes to say, my entire being is now dedicated to letting others know that simple solutions for good, to good health are obtainable through research and education. Taki and Gloria, thank you so much again for taking your time, taking the time out of your day to be on our podcast. I just wanted to share a couple of slides about ALSI for those who might not know about our organization. ALSI is a 501c3 nonprofit that works to raise awareness for lung cancer and lung cancer screening. We're a team of over 200 students and doctors located across the United States. And we do the work that we do because lung cancer is the deadliest cancer in the world, causing more deaths than breast, prostate, and colon cancers combined. Lung cancer causes about 380 deaths per day in the U.S. alone. Lung cancer is very fatal because currently many patients are being diagnosed at a late stage when the cancer has grown and spread to other parts of the body. Lung cancer screening is an effective imaging technique that can be used to screen for lung cancer and has been shown to catch lung cancers early. However, less than 6% of people at high risk for lung cancer are currently getting screened. The screening rate for lung cancer is much lower than the screening rates for breast, cervical, and colon cancers, which are about 70%. We believe educating people about lung cancer lung cancer screening is one of the most important and effective ways to increase the lung cancer screening rate for populations that would benefit from lung cancer screening. So far, we've given over 250 presentations on lung cancer and lung cancer screening to universities, hospitals, medical schools, and organizations around the U.S., as well as India, Canada, Brazil, and Mexico, reaching over 10,000 people. Over last year, we've worked with over 335 mayors from every single U.S. state to issue proclamations recognizing November as National Lung Cancer Awareness Month. We've also had the opportunity to work with several leaders at the state level, including multiple mayors, Arizona State Senator Leela Alston, who's a lung cancer survivor, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, and Lieutenant Governor of Colorado, Diane Primavera, to issue public service announcements, emphasizing the importance of lung cancer screening. And in addition to our education, outreach, and advocacy efforts, we recently started this podcast series to share the personal side of lung cancer and provide a platform for lung cancer survivors and advocates to share their stories. Elsie also worked with U.S. Congress members and senators to draft and advocate for the first ever House and Senate resolutions recognizing the importance of the early detection of lung cancer through screening. And in December 2020, the U.S. Senate passed a bipartisan resolution for the third year in a row, designating November 2022 as National Lung Cancer Awareness Month and expressing the support for the early detection and treatment of lung cancer. Senate Resolution 863 expands on previous resolutions by emphasizing the need for efforts to increase awareness of screening among veterans, women, and racial minorities. Elsie has also actively worked with Representative Brennan Boyle and Senator Tina Smith to draft an advocate for Catherine's Law for Lung Cancer Early Detection and Survival Act of 2021. Lastly, we want to end by talking a little bit about lung cancer screening. Um, lung cancer screening is done using a low-dose computed tomography scan. This scan uses low radiation doses, is pain-free, and takes less than five minutes to complete. The United States Preventive Services Task Force, also known as the USPSTF, sets guidelines for who should be screened for lung cancer. And right now, they recommend that people between the ages of 50 and 80 who have a 20-pack year smoking history or more and who are current um, or former smokers who quit within the past 15 years get annual low-dose CT scans. One pack year is defined as smoking on average one pack a day for one year, and therefore 20 pack years can be met by smoking, for example, one pack a day for 20 years or smoking two packs a day for 10 years. 
So if you know anyone who might be eligible for lung cancer screening based on the criteria listed on our previous slide, please encourage them to take our lung cancer screening eligibility survey so that we can so that they can learn whether they're eligible and also have the opportunity to connect with our team at LC to guide them through the screening process. And finally, we want to highlight that there are other risk factors for lung cancer in addition to smoking, such as exposure to asbestos, a family history of lung cancer, COPD, and previous radiation therapy to the lungs. It's really important that we recognize these additional risk factors because a large number of people in the United States who have never smoked still get lung cancer. So thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to that quick presentation. And without further ado, we'll jump right into the podcast. We have a few questions prepared for Jackie and Gloria, but we will also have a Q&A session at the end where you all can submit any questions you have for them. And since we're so lucky to have both of you on the podcast today, our agenda is packed um, for today's podcast. And so we thought we'd start with uh, Gloria's story and then Jackie's story before moving on to Radon, if that sounds okay. Thank you so much. Your organization is so impressive and, and we're so happy to be here and to be part of you. Uh, and what you said was so very true uh, while ago about the non-smokers being uh, diagnosed in late stage. So I'll start in with my story of of why I'm involved with lung cancer. In early November 2005, through routine blood test, my husband's liver enzymes were elevated. The cardiologist uh, who did the blood test indicated that it could be hepatitis C or cancer. And he suggested that we go to get a CT scan of his liver. With the results of the CT scan showing cancer, we were numb. We were so petrified. The next few days were filled with a liver biopsy, a colonoscopy, an endoscopy, a brain MRI, a lung biopsy, and then finally a PET scan of his entire body. In December before Christmas, we were told the lung cancer was in both lungs, in his liver, and in his bones. Joe asked the oncologist how long he may have to live, and the response was six to 12 months. And if he took chemo, it was six to 14 months. Joe's cancer was inoperable. I asked the doctor about a second opinion and he said, why would you do that? The answer would be the same. Joe opted not to take chemo. We asked the doctor what could have caused his lung cancer because he hadn't smoked in 27 years and we led a very healthy lifestyle. The doctor said, we know radon is a known cause of lung cancer. We didn't know that. He may have known it and other physicians may have known it, but we didn't know it. Uh, I felt very helpless and hopeless and alone. 
I had called several organizations to see if we could get some advice, some help, some suggestions, or some hope. But they weren't very helpful to me or to us. The doctor said to Joe, if you don't have a heart attack, if the chemo doesn't kill you, the lung cancer will. On February 18th, on February 8, 2006, which was about six weeks after we had found out about his lung cancer on stage four, he died. So just six weeks after that, he was gone. I prayed to God to give me a reason to live. And one month after his death and his uh, funeral, I heard on the Today Show, the, the morning show news, the mention of radon and lung cancer when Dana Reeves died. And that sparked my memory of what the doctor had said. We know radon is a is the cause of lung cancer. And that was the moment my radon advocacy journey began. March 8th of 2006. I tested our house. I had it mitigated. And I started advocating for radon reduction. So my advice to others is don't give up. Take advantage of all possible uh, opportunities. The advancement in the lung cancer detection and treatment in the last 10 to 12 years has, has exploded. We have uh, early detection can save lives. Numerous times, Joe had gone to the doctor and said, well, you know, I have this cough and it was conclude as, oh, you probably have allergies. No, it, it wasn't allergies. Uh, you need to seek out lung cancer organizations that can give you advice. Now we have Lung Can, which is Lung Cancer Action Network, and it's compiled of so many different organizations, lung cancer organizations with updates and treatments um, that can help. And one of the things now that is so important is that for lung cancer patient to get tested for biomarkers to see if there are specific gene mutations that can be treated with specific medicines. And of course, another big thing is the early detection can save lives. So I don't know um, uh, if Jackie, you want to go to Jackie now? Well, thank, yeah, thank you so much, Gloria, for, for sharing about your husband and his story. It clearly is something that is so very hard for you. So, so thank you for sharing that, um, you know, really personal story. Thank you. And um, I know a diagnosis like one of cancer affects um, really the, the entire family. And so could you talk about how you were affected by the diagnosis and especially how you're, um, how you're able to find support and resources to get through maybe some difficult times? Well, uh, I did. Um, 
I I had after Joe died, I had um, a CT scan of my lungs. I had a um, a physician's assistant that was very uh, sympathetic. I had a little cough, and so I I did have a CT scan, and I I certainly do advise that for anyone that has. Uh, it been exposed to high levels of radon and has symptoms uh go to your doctor first of course and and see if that can be done uh so i then realized after finding out that our house had been we'd been living here for for 18 years with high levels of radon and had no idea about it so i I did research on radon uh, days and nights before and in the meantime when I was having the house mitigated um, I just did all kinds of research and I just couldn't stop I wanted to find out what this was and so I had a, a notebook a very large notebook with all of the radon uh, scientific studies saying how radon exposure can increase your chances of lung cancer. And I took that to my representative, my state representative. And I said, we have to have a law so that people don't buy homes with high levels of radon. And um, he gave me one hour to talk to him. And this was only uh, a little more than two months after Joe had died. So I was I was very uh, emotional and passionate. And he got a resolution passed almost immediately for awareness of radon. But it wasn't until later on in the, that year, actually, when he could uh, file a bill. And with the help of, of, of some friends that I had made along the line, and networking is so important because I, I really didn't know how to have a, get a law passed. And so I, I was a previous teacher and I went to my, my school and I talked to the civics teacher and he said, well, what you have to do is go to the representative and get him to introduce the bill. And that's what I did. And actually a long story short, because it, it took about a year and a half of educating the legislators in my state and all of them I did. Uh, actually, uh, Barack Obama was a US Senator in my state at that time. And I had uh, communicated with him too. Um, so uh, in, uh, <laughs> this is funny too, it was Joe's and my 32nd wedding anniversary, August 16 of and it was in 2008, uh, I'm sorry, 2007, when that bill, the Radon Awareness Act, I was told someone had called me and said it passed both the House and the Senate. It had been one year um, uh, that I had been working on it, a little more than a year, actually. And I, I was tickled, and, and what a great anniversary present that was for me. So, yeah, I've been affected, and um, 
I just devote my life to educating others about the danger of exposure of radioactive radon. So it's really, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I don't know what else you want me to talk about right now. Maybe Jackie. No, I was just gonna say, it's really inspiring to hear about your efforts and um, how you came out of a really tough situation and really embraced a positive attitude about this. Um, it's really inspiring to see. Just for those of us and the, uh, the people in the audience who might not exactly know what radon is, could you talk a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, well, first of all, I was very, um, confident in my ignorance previous to this that radon wasn't in my house uh, because we had a very tight basement and my house was only 20 years old at the time and um, I knew so little about radon but with all of my um, research and so on I learned quite a bit and oh, over the years I continued to keep learning Radon is a radioactive gas. It comes from the decay of uranium in the ground beneath all of our structures, our homes, our schools, our churches, our workplaces, any structure that touches the ground is susceptible, susceptible to having radon come in through the cracks in the uh, building, in the structure. It comes again from the decay products of uranium and it comes in the form of a gas in any kind of little little opening and uh, it, it's all over the nation. It can be actually in about, in my state, it's about 41% of the homes have high levels of radon in the state of Illinois, and, but it is found. It has been found in every state in our nation and it is all over the world it's not just the u.s situation it's a global threat and um so let's see what else the only way to know if it's in your house is to test i mean because you can't smell it taste it or see it and uh, uh testing you know, most people are so ignorant of, like I was, ignorant of this fact that you might be living with um, this killer in your house and not know it. And uh, it is, of course, radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer and, and the first in non-smokers. So, um, let's see what else. Got any other questions for me? It's really very interesting to hear about your work and how you work with senators and legislators. Could you talk a little bit more about that and whether there were any hurdles in, in getting the act actually passed? Well, uh, like I said, I worked for a, a, over a year. I started once I had my, was in uh, April of 06 when I saw my legislator. And I, I came up with a plan I wanted, um, what was the word, I call it a plan. It was a proposal. I wanted mandated testing at the point of sale for any home 
because you know I had prayed to God to give me a reason to live and when I found out that my home was high levels of radon had high levels of radon and after I had found out how dangerous that was then I thought to myself uh, people have to know about this and they there should be a law so I came up with this plan to or proposal to that all homes should be tested at the point of sale and if the level of radon was 4.0 picocures per liter of air or greater it should be mitigated before occupancy so I sent my proposal to all state legislators and I also um, and I hand wrote uh, I think it was 1500 newspapers uh, I uh, with my proposal I and addressed it I didn't do it by uh, computer I, I addressed all those letters uh, by hand and uh, and sent them to numerous uh, newspapers throughout the nation I think it was about 1500 it took, took me quite a while <laughs> and a lot of newspapers published it and uh but and actually i can tell you that one one senator nearby me i i I visited i i called i emailed and i visited so many legislators in in my nation in my state and one senator when i visited his office i talked to his uh, aid his assistant and she actually got my proposal filed in Illinois and it was the mandate okay now it was never called that proposal was never called in the but but the legislators knew about this proposal being filed this mandate and so when my rep when my representative heard about it um, and I didn't know that it had been filed until a home inspector who was a friend of mine called and said, do you know that, that Senator Claiborne has filed this proposal? And I said, no, I didn't know it. So I called my representative and he said, well, Gloria, because this is a mandate, he said, I, I, I'm afraid it won't get passed. And he said, I need a proposal. I need a bill that will pass this year he, he was adamant about this i mean he was he was convinced and so i said well so I went back to my friend dallas jones of american association of radon scientists and technologists and i said you know we've got to have a bill that my rep will file and he that he thinks will pass so it, it turned out to be the Radon Awareness Act, and it was the first one in that I was aware of, because back in that at that time in 06, and I had searched all the bills out there for radon. Um, there wasn't the, the only bill that I could find that was anything near what I wanted was in Delaware. But so we came up with the Radon Awareness Act, which means now that anyone that buys a home in Illinois um, has to be given information about radon. They give, they're given a, a pamphlet. The seller has to sign off on this document that says, 
I don't know uh, how much radon's in my house. I've never tested, or I have tested and it's this much, or I've tested and mitigated and now the level is this much. And I might say that my level was 17.6. And after mitigation, it's I do a year-long test and it's it's usually one or something like that. So a mitigation system properly installed can uh, reduce the level up to 99%. So going back to the proposal, it was anyone that buys a house uh, now is given information on radon and the seller has to reveal all information about that uh, radon that he's aware of. And the buyer has to say, okay, um, I would, I, understand and I would like to have a mitigation uh, I mean a test before I buy it or I'm okay with no test but most people that have the test now in Illinois and the level is high they mitigate so mitigation is is my you know people are people's lives are being saved because of this this law and because they are mitigating and they're not living 30, 20, 30 years in a home with high levels of radon. And Minnesota also copied this bill. And uh, Kansas, I think, copied it to a certain extent. Um, the, hurdles, the hurdles were just getting to the state capitol the, and, and talking to everyone and um and sending the letters out and emailing and just it, it was i guess the hurdle was just consistency and and keeping up with it not giving up constantly uh constantly getting that word radon and lung cancer out into the base of legislators and the news media and and neighbors and community leaders so that's i'm not sure what else you would like to hear oh um thank you so much gloria for sharing that um your wealth of knowledge for radon is very interesting and we thank you for that and um for walking us through your legislative journey we we admire the work you're doing and applause you for how many lives you are saving through that um law um but just bouncing back a little bit um we would like to ask you for someone who has a loved one who was recently diagnosed with lung cancer do you have any advice on how they can best support them or help them well, my first thing that I would say is don't give up. You know, there's too many opportunities out there for uh, treatment, good treatment, uh, extending your your years on this earth. Um, research, research, go to these lung cancer organizations. And one of the things that I felt so terrible of course joe only lived about six weeks after the diagnosis uh but i felt so alone and i didn't feel like there was any help i didn't feel like you know and i know that that's the way a lot of lung cancer uh patients and um uh families feel 
they, they feel like they're all by themselves. And also, um, so I say, don't give up. Research, uh, go out there and tell your story and, and don't be afraid to get a second opinion. And don't be afraid to be your own advocate for your health. And um, I guess that's what, what I would say. That's, that's great advice, Grant. I know a lot of the patients that we've had on our podcast have, had, have said very similar things, lung cancer survivors themselves, as well as their caregivers or family members, to say that it um, as soon as you're, you're diagnosed with, with something like, like lung cancer, it's really helpful to be able to talk with other patients, hear how they went through, um, you know, maybe some, some difficult times, what challenges they face, what they learn, and it's really very valuable to be able to connect with, with others who are going through something similar. And um, I think the breast cancer community uh, and uh, with a lot of other common cancers, I think we've done really great in, in terms of building that community, but we're still working on building that for, for the lung cancer. And um, the, the community definitely exists and there, there are support groups now that, and, and I would definitely, if anyone is in the situation, I would definitely recommend, you know, trying to connect with the local lung, lung can, like, local cancer center or seeing their support groups nearby, but that can really help. And, but also social media is a great way to also reach out to others and, and hear about their story. So it yeah, really definitely. is. Yes. Social, social media, media has made a big difference with the communication of, of patients and survivors and um, the, the support team of, of the patient. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Gloria, for, for sharing your story. Um, I did want to move over to Jackie's story, but but if there's anything um, that, that you want to add, you're more than welcome to. I did want to make sure that we have some time to go, to hear Jackie's story and then also talk about radon because I know it's a very packed podcast. But thank you again for sharing all, all of your all of your knowledge and your and your experience. Um, it was really interesting to hear. Thanks so much. Hi, Jackie. Um, could you please talk about um, what your lung cancer journey was like? Oh, absolutely. Um, mine is a little different in that uh, as the patient, uh, what had happened to me, and I call my story, I've always called it shingles, okay? The reason I did that was because um, I contracted shingles. Now, I never got sick. I never had the flu. I never got colds. As a matter of fact, I haven't had a cold in six years now. But what happened was, is that I ended up, got shingles. I had to go into the doctor's office. And as a result, um, they, they had to verify. She said, yes, okay, yep, you've got, you've got shingles. Gave me the, the medicine for that. But she said, but, the fact that you um, haven't been in to see us in 18 months, because I never get sick, right? Um, and and you're, you're over 65, you get to complain about two things like every year and they'll check it out for free. Okay, that's fine. That starts your Medicare, kind of your record for that year. And believe you me, I am one serious healthy little mama here, okay? And I said, well, no, I don't have anything wrong with me. Um, I'm fine. I said, but, you know, I sing and, you know, I have this ability to roll the note. So if I can roll the note, but then when I get to the very end of that note, I can't hold that breath. And I said, and no matter what I try, it's just six months ago, you know, I was fine. And then all of a sudden I can't hold that, that note like that. And um, 
I said, but that's okay, you know. That's okay. That's just me sitting in front of my computer or my cat behind, and I just need to exercise my diaphragm. See, I'm healthy. I know everything about my health, right? Overconfidence. So she says, well, are you coughing? And I said, no. She listened to my lungs. She said, they're clear. She, you know, patted my um, lymph nodes and, and, and did all that. I'm good. And at the very last minute, um, she said to me later on, she said, do you realize we were both going to blow it off? Because really there was nothing there, you know, super healthy. So she had her hand on the door. I remember that. And I was playing with my phone, looking at my texts and all this stuff. And she said, well, why don't we get a, a chest x-ray? Because you get something for free anyway. Got the chest x-ray. Two, to, two days later, they, she came back and called and said, we found something. And she said, it looks like a tumor on the outside of the upper left lobe of my lung. And um, I was floored. I, I could not believe it. I mean, first, my first thought, oh my God. I'm going to die. Now, that's just on the x-ray. I'm already going to die on the x-ray, right? So, of course, I had to go through, you know, the different scans and whatnot, and it verified. Yes, it was a tumor. It was cancer. So it was adenocarcinoma, and it was on the outside of the upper left lobe. And then when I had my consult with the, um, the uh, uh, thoracic surgeon, Dr. Bailey, um, he said that we were... We're going to do a lobectomy, but we're only going to take, we, we thought we would only take half of the balloon, all right? But because there were some cancer cells on the seam of that balloon, they took the whole balloon just to make sure. With the PET scan, it showed no spread, nowhere else. There was nothing. So with that, I went in the hospital. That was in 2015, by the way. I was diagnosed as stage one. Stage 1A, I think it was, or stage one, whatever. And um, I went in the hospital, I was in the hospital for three days. They removed the upper left lobe. And after three days, I was home. And they had me up walking around in the hospital the next day. And then I was home in three days. And then I couldn't go to work for seven months. So, and just to let you know, you know, the test that you go through, you know, you got to go through the breathing test and the, the heart test and, you know, the all those tests. I aced every test 200%, not 100. So it was no reason. And I remember that uh, Dr. Bailey, you know, he sat down and he said to me, very first thing was, and my sister was with me. So how do you think you got this? And I was thinking, I don't know, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you're the doctor, you're the medical person, you're supposed to tell me, right? But that was the one thing that sparked, that got me to the next level, right? Uh, and I love Dr. Mealy. He is so good at what he does. So with that, again, home and uh, no chemo, no radiation, no medication. The doctor just said, walk, walk, walk. He said, I believe you're so healthy, you're going to live to be 150 years old, which is my plan, okay? So anyway, I went back to a um, board meeting, and it was, hi, Jackie, how are you? I'm great, I'm fine, all this stuff. I said, but 
And I said, the doctor didn't, doesn't seem to know where this came from. I didn't know anything about radon at that point, nothing. Um, and so I said, I, I don't, I, you know, I keep thinking about it, but I don't know, I don't know, but I'm, I feel blessed that I'm only stage one, all right? And so there was a home inspector there. And he, the home inspector said to me the magic words, did you ever hear of radon, the magic sentence, okay? And I said, no, what's that? So he explained it to me. Now it's uranium naturally occurring, comes out of the ground, decays, and then it seeps into the, you know, your, your home or your building and whatnot, through the cracks and whatnot, in the foundation, etc. It accumulates and it, it accumulates over years, but it accumulates. And the more you breathe it in, it can do damage to your lungs. And I can research the type of cancer that you have. And I, you know, other people, they just sit there and they just take whatever the diagnosis is, they sit there and just accept it. I'm not like that. Glory is not like that. So I researched it. And when I, the, he told me about the radon, I went off and started researching that too. And I can't tell you, but I knew because I'd been in my building for 30, I say 38 years, it's more like 36, I think, but around that time, I was in there for that amount of time. And um, even though I'm in a building, I'm in a condo building, I live on the third floor, right? But I have to go to the basement to do the laundry and there's other things down there. So over 38 years or whatever, right? So um, what I did was, I immediately became angry. And the first thing I did is that I took some of my own uh, money, I call it my cancer money, but from loss of income, you get this insurance money, right? So I took part of that money and I had the building tested. I'm in a condo association, condo building. And I had the neighbors, because I was told you have to test at the lower levels, as close to the ground as you can get. So I had Rose on one side of the building and Stanley, who's directly underneath me, test, you know, we quietly did this with the highest monitor and they are continuous monitors. So they, they you know, actually measure radon levels on a constant basis. And there were three of them. And then I had one put into my apartment. Rose on the one side in the ground, her garden apartment came out to 18 picocuries. Stanley's came out to nine picocuries. Now, Stanley's wife died of lung cancer. And, and the, this was well beyond the testing we did. She had passed away, but she smoked, okay? And then my condo came out to three picocuries, right? So because I'm on a third floor, you know, um, it wasn't as high. Took that information and I turned it over to the uh well the condo association before i did that what i did was i called i called four attorneys because i'm like i'm gonna sue and this shouldn't be happening to me and da 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 da, da you know i called four attorneys in different states and they all told me the same exact thing there's nothing you can do about it it's perfectly legal 
no one is mandated to test. Well, that just inflamed me beyond your wildest dreams, right? So I called the association and I told them, and that's what they had recommended, call them, talk to them. And when I called the association that manages the entire plan, okay? Uh, they said, well, it's up to each homeowner to uh, test on their own because they're all privately owned condos. They're all privately owned townhouses. And I said, how can they test if they don't know anything about it? I said, we get to have a newsletter that comes out every month and not one time in 30 something years has there been anything in there that says, you should test your home for radar. Not one time. And I also know the other reason that it led me to believe that is, you know, that radon could be a, a possible indicator was that we do diligence to the building. And if you're in a private condo, they will tell you by letter, we're going to come in here and change the um, fire extinguishers. We're going to paint. We're going to spray for bugs. Anything they do, you get a letter. We never got a letter that said, we're going to test for radon. All right. So what I did is again, I called the lawyers. They said, there's nothing you can do. Those are the magic words to my advocacy first. And I thought, well, I know what I can do, all right? That led me down the path to find Gloria, but we'll get there in a minute. So what happened next is uh, I gave, turned it over to the condo association that manages my building. They retested and they used um, the Home Depot um, charcoal test and they tested all the ground floor apartments. And um, Stanley's apartment, because they told me, came out to, uh, what was it, 13 Piper Curies, and Rose's came out to 21, just on the charcoal test. So they ended up mitigating, it took at least about nine months to get it done, because it is a building, of course, they had brought the mitigators in, and we now have six mitigation systems on this building. What that means is they found six different sources of radar, all right? So that was my story. But what happened was, because of all of this, um, I decided that people need to know. I said, this is ridiculous, you know. And now I want you to go back on one thing too. Remember, I did not find out about the radon until after they took my lung out seven months later. If I, that home inspector never said those words, did you ever hear of radon to me, I would still be sitting there in high levels, okay? So that was key right there. So after that point, I decided I was gonna build a sign and I'm going to march up and down the street. And remember, I'm from the 60s now. So I'm going to march up and down the street and I'm going to let everybody know about radon. But, you know, I'm going to find some awareness. So I started doing research on that. I found uh, Gloria in CR3 and called her as she called me, I think it was. And we started talking and she wanted the first thing she said is, well, what is your story? It's very important to know that. And past that point, I told her a story, and she said, well, would you like to join CR3? And my history with CR3 
that's how I got started. And that was six years ago. Now, past that point, three and a half years after that, they found another tumor in my middle right bronchi on the other side. And uh, it, bottom line, it, what, it didn't grow one iota, not, a, not even a millisecond. It didn't grow in three and a half years, but it was sitting there. And well, I said, how, how did you miss this? And they said, we missed because we were so busy looking at the left side you know, just really concentrating on it, we didn't see that tumor. So they actually lasered it off in two uh, sessions. I'm still stage one, no chemo, no radiation, no medication. So bottom line, that is my story. And that's how I ended up finding Gloria, who I call the Rosa Parks of Radon. It was a, a really great story. It was really fascinating to listen to. Um, again, just like Gloria, both of you have taken tough times and really powered through and found the positives in them to change other people's lives. So it's it's really, again, inspiring to listen to the both of you. So Jackie, you had mentioned that uh, you use continuous radon indicators. Could you please talk about what other options there are and what people should do as far as where they can get the test and like where they place the test, things of that nature. And I might have Gloria help me with this so I remember all, but there is the charcoal uh, test and that one you can get at Home Depot. It's, it's about $20, I think now maybe. Um, there, there are places you can actually ask for free tests. They'll send you a test and it's just a little, um, not this big, it's not very big. And you, what you do with that test is you hang it in an area that doesn't have a lot of airflow. Um, you know, you can't put it next to your fireplace or next to your uh, um, washer and dryer, anything of that sort. And close, as close as you get to the ground. The, um, there are different types that you can use and uh, of, of the charcoal or those types. Then there's the continuous. And uh, the continuous monitor are just actually um, devices, little devices that you plug it in. And what it does is it monitors the radon on a uh, continuous uh, time, amount of time. Now the charcoal monitor, the, the charcoal test, you hang that for maybe like three or four days. And then after that, you send it back in and they will send you the results for free. Okay, you, you don't have to pay anything. The continuous monitor, it actually monitors everything in real time. And um, there are different types. And Gloria, you can help me with the, some of the monitors because you know the, I say the older ones, but they're still good, mind you. Um, and then there, of course, is the uh, EcoCube, the ones that, the, the newer ones now that hook Bluetooth to your phone and you can literally see the, uh, you know, the results on your phone on a regular basis. But the older ones, Gloria, what was the name of those? You're on mute. Uh, oh, there's all types of of monitors. You know, there's the short term, like you said, and and they're they're usually the charcoal activated um, test kits. And there's all kinds. There's 
uh, AccuStar, there's um, uh, Alpha Energy, there's all kinds of these little kits that usually go about $10 to $30. And again, like you said, you can buy them uh, different ones at uh, the hardware store or you can order them online too. And uh, I think some of them are have the same name as the smoke detectors. Uh, but um, uh, other ones are called Alpha Track, and the Alpha Track is a little device, and it it goes like up to ninety days. It's like a long term. I, I'm sorry. It's pardon me. It's ninety days or up to a year. So the short terms usually go a few days, like Jackie said, and the the long terms go. Uh, 90 days up to a year but not over a year and uh, they're kind of referred to as alpha tracks and then little device and uh then then we have the the kind of newer on the market the like jackie said the real-time electronic uh, uh monitors that uh can be um activated on your phone you can see the, the results on your phone and and those are uh, um, radon eye or there's there's another one called the wave uh, and there's they are coming up all kinds of different ones on that uh, scale and then the professional uses an electronic monitor uh, again uh, um, continuous radon monitor and they have various various uh, um, vendors uh, produce those so if if you want to buy it I mean if you want to get a professional to come and test he or she will use a continuous radon monitor, which looks like a little, um, oh, sort of like a little radio or something. It's about the size of a small radio, but it gives you a printout of, uh, or gives the professional printout of all the spikes and just over a 48 hour period. And you can see it now you can also with the little electronic monitors that are uh, on the market today you also see what your your level is on a real time uh, um, situation too the professional usually runs about 150 to 250 dollars uh, and you could find a professional by going to your radon program department in your state and see who the uh, measurement professionals are. So you can do it yourself or you can have a professional come and do it. It's really good to hear that there are different options um, and that people can choose depending on their needs. So thank you for walking us through all of those options. That was very helpful. Um, one question that, a really common question that we received from the audience is what to do if their house tests high for radon? What are the next steps? Who, who should they contact? And what does radon mitigation look like? So if you, if both of you could talk a little bit about that, that would be wonderful. 
Well, um, first of all, if you find it after you test and the levels are high, uh, you really should do a second test that would be more of a long-term test, like Lori was saying, using the 90-day test or, or, or what, you know, that type of thing. And then um, you want to mitigate. You absolutely really need to mitigate, okay? If the, if the uh, test runs four pipocuries or higher, you should be looking at mitigation. Uh, you can call, there's a list. Now, the mitigators, basically all mitigators are certified. And they're certified through the state that you live in. There is a list of them and you can get that on your state website and uh, find someone in your zip code that would come out and talk to you about what to do about those high levels. Um, if you're not sure, first of all, where to go or what to do, uh, you can you can call your state and they all have a, a radon website that you can go to and ask them. In picking a mitigator, he comes out, he will probably retest, make a longer term test. And then once they do that, one of the things they're testing for is they've got, they have to find the sources. And do not assume that because say your neighbor's okay that you're okay you know that may not be the case at all so what you want to do is they're going to try to find the sources like i said there were six underneath mine that's what kind of took so long and they what they have to do is basically and i always do it the, the basic way is they take pipes and they'll shove it underneath the building you know and that's where the source is a pipe goes to the source and then it goes out and there's a fan that kind of sucks that gas out and then they put a pipe up the side of the building and then it goes up over the roof so it's not coming into your home and that's how the mitigation system basically works and that's what's important because then as a matter of fact it lowered our uh levels at 18 to 1 just by doing that So uh, my only um, comment here is, if you get a if you get a measurement person or a mitigator, make sure they are a certified professional and that they have the credentials saying that they have gone through the training and they know how to they they follow the procedure uh, the again the procedures the, the approved procedures for testing or for mitigation um, make sure they're certified and you can get those lists from your state radon program director um thank you guys for both sharing and answering that question about um, radon mitigation um, but before we transition into more questions about radon and cr3 we would just like to add that jackie we're so happy to hear that your cancer has stayed at stage one um, so just moving forward, we have a few more questions prepared for you guys about CR3 and radon. Um, and our first question is, for those that don't know um, what CR3 is, could you guys speak a little bit about it and um, what you guys do as an organization? I'll let Lori do that one. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the name, Citizens for Radioactive Radon Reduction, that's who we are. We are people who, 
who want to make a difference, to educate others, to get to grow our uh, the group of people that know about radon, uh, to educate others. And one of the ways to do that, one of the best ways, as Jackie said, is by word of mouth. You know, you tell others uh, about radon, and um, so. Uh, Public health departments also sharing that information and physicians. And Jackie has a great doctor who she has uh, used many times on videos um, that now knows about the danger of radon. So what we do, who we are, is we just, some of us have had experience with lung cancer. Uh, we are just individuals who want to share the message that radon is a radioactive source that is a, a cause of lung cancer. It can, it can easily be fixed. The, the radon can easily be fixed. Lung cancer is not so easily fixed. So Jackie, you want to add some stuff to that? Well, um, as Gloria said, we are about education. All right, that's our big mantra. And the other part of that is uh, assisting other organizations. One of the things uh, that we know for sure is that basically CR3 is one of the only organizations that is grassroots that actually just pounds the pavement about, do you know what radon is? Did you test? Let me get you in contact with this person, that person. This is what we do. We also help other organizations so that they have a radon piece. You know, you might be about the lung cancer portion of that, but we use us as the radon piece and we can speak, you know, on, on your behalf or whatever. So we do that type of work as well. So that's what CR3 basically is about. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jackie and Gloria. I also know, um, Jackie, that you're, you're working on the PYA program. So that'll be an awesome opportunity to share about that. Um, so do you, uh, would you be able to just talk a little bit about that program as well? I would love to because you, you young people just inspire me. So anyway, PYA is Premier Youth Ambassadors for Radon Reduction. We just say PYA. Um, what it is, is we started an initiative uh, last year in March and it kind of just really fell in our, into our laps but it's a, a group of young people that are doing amazing things on their own with the study of radon. I mean they started out for example we have one young man whose mother died of uh, radon related lung cancer in 2020. And then by the time uh, when she passed away, he decides at the age of 16 to start his own nonprofit. And then he got a board of directors for the nonprofit that are all, they're all in high school, every one of them. And so what they did is they put up there, okay, need a test kit? You could order it here. And then they just mailed them out. In two years, over 500 test kits. So they did amazing work, <laughs> excuse me. So they gave, uh, we gave them an award. We have another young man that is, um, started his own nonprofit and it's not everybody starting nonprofit, but he loves animals. So he found out that 
great on effects animals. And so he hooked into it and he literally joined us. So <clears throat> they, we have different people that are really, these young people that are working on this. What we do with them, with their, um, oh, with their project, they come to us and they say, I've got a project. Then we pair them with somebody in the industry that can help them to carry that project even further. We had another one, Tanya in Utah. She spoke to over 500 people, including you know her local legislator, you name it, about Greenland. So we help them to get their projects to fruition. We are looking for more youth. Um, by the way, they're from, from 15 to about, um, I'd say up, just up because we have college students in there too. We are looking for more for this year and we want to promote them. But keep the radon awareness going. By doing this, we hope to grow new young people in the radon awareness arena. So that's what it is. So we had talked about earlier uh, the importance of early detection and radon. So how can lung cancer screening efforts be coupled with radon awareness efforts? Well, I'll tell you what, that's one of my biggest um, advocacy concerns. What The one thing that can happen to me, right, we know uh, because we have an EPA radon map that will tell you the EPA radon zones, right? Um, the old map is red, yellow, and orange. If you look at Pennsylvania, quite a bit of Pennsylvania, which is in the top five with the highest levels of radon, you can see Allegheny County that I live in is in that red zone. That means over four picatories in most of their testing, right? So to me, when I go to the doctor, I should be able to, you know, how you fill out that form that, you know, if you're diagnosed, did you smoke? Um, how many packs? And they go through, it's like three or four pages of this stuff, right? Why not put on that form? <laughs> did you ever hear of radon, right? Do you know about radon? Did you test your house? If the person says no, then, oh, excuse me. If the person says no, then when you do, the, like your, your, your uh, patient navigator or whatever, when you have to go to that person and you talk about your insurance, you talk about all these things that, you know, that have to do with your lung cancer journey to start it, what you can do is say, here's a pamphlet that talks about radon. They can read it and tell them, read the pamphlet and give them a number and they test your home. All you have to do is look at the map and say, you're in an at-risk area, right? You lived in your home, how many years? 36 years. Give the patient something at that point. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm really pushing for. It's very simple. And I know the doctor does not have time to explain it to you, but give them something that they can read, they can take home and go get their home tested. Um, when I tested mine, and I got the results, you know what I did? I gave the results to my doctor. 
And he said to me, what do you want me to do with this? And I said, put it in my folder. That's it. So the next time when they found the tumor in the, in the bronchi on the other side, three and a half years ago, he said to me, and this one is not radon related. And I'm thinking, oh, so you looked it up. That's called forced action. So something that simple could save lives. Thank you so much, Jack and Gloria, for taking time out of your day to share your stories and knowledge with us. Um, now I'd like to open the floor for our participants to ask you any questions they may have sure. regarding your story. And of course, if you feel comfortable answering them. So if anyone would like to ask Jackie or Gloria a question, please put it in the chat or just simply unmute. received a question um, from the audience before we started the podcast and they asked um, if you could sum up your lung cancer journey in one sentence what would that be and I think this question is open to both Jack and Gloria so we'd love to hear from both of you guys. All right Gloria you go first. Okay uh, I think that my experience was sent to me by God. That's one sentence. Uh, I think it was a mission. I, uh, with mine, I think the biggest thing was my one sentence it, to all of you is uh, manage your health and test your home for radon. Do not wait. Do it right now. Thank you both for sharing it's all the advocacy work that both of you have worked on is, is is truly amazing and is definitely saving lives and involving um you know doctors involving um state leaders legislators and youth i think every everything that cr3 is doing is just so important and if we can bring awareness about radon and couple it with um, lung cancer screening efforts, I think those go hand in hand and, and that can that can really help save lives. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, and then another question that we received is, um, what are the current challenges within the lung cancer community that in your in your eyes? Well, for me, uh, the, the biggest challenge and still is a challenge, I think, and Gloria can confirm this, there are still so many people that do not believe that radon is a threat because they can't smell it, they can't taste it, they you know, can't see it. So when you talk to them, um, it's like, well, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then they don't do it, right? So they're still not paying attention. And that is a big issue. But I've learned over time one of the things is that, of course, radon affects pets, right? We've learned that addressing them from the pet level and saying, do you realize that your pets are also, and they're at the lowest levels of the ground. You know, they're at risk too. Their ears perk up. Their ears perk up. And sometimes you can get the word out a little bit better by thinking about it out of the box ways to, uh, you know, put this before people. So. 
I think that just basically like uh, Jackie said, the apathy by individuals not to test, not to be concerned about radon uh, and governments, government, the apathy of governments not to take action uh, for radon reduction. Those, uh, it's just the apathy until people get excited. I did hear one time that the legislature, once they know people are concerned about something, that's when they act. Yeah. So I'm all for letting your legislators know your concerns. Thank you, Gloria, Jackie. And one more question, and this podcast is very timely because January is National Radon Action Month. And so um, even though we're, we're near the end of January, is there anything that people can do right now to help raise awareness about radon or in, in the coming months? What, what would be your pieces of advice if um, the people listening are, are wanting to get involved in the advocacy efforts? Well, first of all, um, the advocacy efforts are very simple. They're not complicated. We have something, CR3 has something called the Radon Challenge. And the Radon Challenge is for each and every one of you to just go to your neighbor and just say, did you ever hear of radon? And if they didn't, then you know you can give them call 1-800-SOS-RADON or they can go to your you know your state website um that kind of thing um as far as the advocacy portion for us uh, we cr3 is really truly trying to recruit more folks that will work with us either uh, for example in the uh organizational level right we have a network called the clear network and the clear network the idea behind it is to get all organizations on the environmental side of the house as well as the um, medical side of the house to join the clear network and you know everything in the clear network when people go in and search and say i have i need to know about kras you know it automatically will go to your area within that network find your services and then that person can call you or chat with you immediately one of the things I found as a patient, um, I had a hard time trying to find out all I could about my type of cancer. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. And it was just on me. Like Gloria said, everything was on her to just do. We need to come together. So we're looking for more that would join us in this advocacy battle. Gloria? I think you covered it all. Um, one of the things that I've done recently is um, uh, put a letter into the editor of newspapers about Radon Action Month being January and um, and testing. So it's amazing how many people still read the newspaper. So uh, it it is a good idea, and uh, just letting everybody know that your neighbors, your family, and making sure that they test because testing is so easy and it could very very likely save a life. What are the two of you looking forward to the most in the next couple of months? I'm looking forward to. Go ahead, Gloria, you first. Well, Jackie, again, she puts up, we, I help a little, but she does most of the work. 
the magazine, we have uh, CR3 Radon News. It comes out about six times a year. And we just got the, the January issue out and the February issue is, uh, it's probably going to be devoted to women or uh, minorities, uh, it usually is in February. And uh, of course, lung cancer and radon. And um, so that's coming up. Um, in February, and uh, there's various meetings uh, that we will be attending through the years. Uh, through the year, we'll try to go to the National Conference State Legislators again this year, and also the International Radon Symposium. Um, the, those happen in August and then in October, and there's some regional radon meetings that we will probably attend to coming up. So uh, getting growing our organization, getting more young people involved with the PYA, get, and, and being part of you guys, is, this is so great. And we're so tickled and, and so in admiration of what you're doing. It really is great. Thank you for, it's, it's exciting and it's amazing. So thank you again. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, the uh, our calendars. We have our uh, radon school calendar we put out every year for uh, the schools, and you can see them back here. You know, I have the whole list back there, and we started that in 2020, I think it was. And to and each calendar has on each month it had this one particular has superheroes. And the superheroes all have names, and then with those names, they're all um, environment, environmental names like uh, Eco and Pico and, you know, that kind of thing. It's to educate the kids, the, you know, and they will have a calendar that when they hang it on their wall, it will talk. It has something in there about uh, radon. For example, this year was, last year was the radon challenge, okay? So we decided... It's time to challenge these little kids to do something. You know, they can do it. So for example, the very first one, September, they open it up and it says, ask your, ask your teacher, has your school been tested for radon? Probably open up a whole can of worms, but that's okay, all right? Forced action. And then there's other things like uh, November, which is National, radon, uh, National Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Send a card to somebody those radon super the, the radon rivals as we call our group of superheroes you're going to see that continue for this year but what we want to do with that is kind of animate the story that goes along with it you could purchase the calendar um you know now of course we do it from september to september so it's like six months out now but bottom line it's been a huge success and it's based on the crcpd uh radon poster contest that they have every year and uh every state can get involved in it then they give us the rights to pick the best posters and there's a picture of each poster on the top and uh we we make calendars out of them for the some of the winners you know they pick winners and they win something and so we've got our picks for this year. We're doing the calendar again. Would love to have you guys help us design this calendar. You know, we're working on animating some things. Come on, join us. Come on. So 
That is so lovely. I it, I just love the idea of the radon superhero. It's such a creative idea to teach kids and students about radon and, and really encourage them to strike a conversation about radon at schools and at homes. Because if we're able to teach kids about radon, then we're, we're raising awareness about radon from the beginning. And and hopefully, you know, in the next couple of years, uh, getting, getting your house tested for radon is just something that everyone routinely does. And so I think that's just so, so critical. Um, and, and we, you know, at LC, we would love to, love to um, collaborate with you, Jackie and, and Gloria as always, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think this is a, a great place to wrap up our podcast. Thank you guys so much. Um, I personally learned a lot and, and I hope that our, our listeners also learned a lot about Radon. And also thank you for sharing your, your stories with us as well. Each of the stories that we hear about are just so unique and all the experiences and knowledge that um, you're able to share with everyone um, really helps, especially for, for those who might be going through something similar. So thank you again once more. Um, and then I, I think Drake will will help us close out. But um, if, if Jack or if you have any, any other things that you want to share about CR3 or about yourselves, please feel free to. Just that if you're interested in joining CR3 and it doesn't cost you anything, not really, uh, just contact me or contact Gloria and you know we'll talk with you from there. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Again, um, just to reiterate what Priyanka said, thank you guys so um, to the both of you for your willingness to share your story and perspective on many of the pressing issues in the lung cancer and radon community. We appreciate the work that you are doing to help raise awareness about radon and applaud the work you've done through CR3. We're both wishing you success in the new year. Um, and thank you everyone for joining our podcast. Please keep an eye out for our upcoming podcasts and events, which will be listed on our website, www.alcsi.org. Um, also, before we end this, we would like to offer a brochure highlighting some key information about lung cancer and lung cancer screening. Um, so if you find this helpful or know of someone who might benefit from the information included, feel free to share it. Um, just one last note, our next podcast will be on February 11th from 3 to 4 p.m. Um, Central Standard Time with Dr. Wade Eams, who is a thoracic medical oncologist um, and translational lung cancer researcher at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Um, thank you and have a great day, everyone. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie Maria. You're welcome.